Hello and welcome back into yet another episode of Line em Up, a podcast all about betting lines, fantasy lineups, real life lineups, and our real life lineup is once again full as we welcome Brendan back to the show after he missed the last episode. Thank you. Thank you very much for welcoming me back with open arms. I'm, I'm very humbled and proud that you guys let your uh, resident Cardinals fan back into the podcast after my short stint away, but good to be back. And as always, holding it down, Eric the Prophet. Eric, good to be with you again. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us. So we have a jam-packed episode in front of us after what was probably the craziest trade deadline in the MLB that I can remember. Insane. Uh, certainly the craziest trade deadline in a long while. And so... After what was a, I don't think calling it a flurry was the right way. I think it was a blizzard of trades uh, that came in and just shaked up the MLB landscape. We're here. We're here to talk about what team is coming out of this trade deadline, this epic trade deadline, with the, you know, looking the best as we head into this playoff stretch round. So before we get to all that, just a quick recap of some of the biggest trades that we saw. We saw perhaps the biggest move was made by Eric's Dodgers, who went out and snatched Max Scherzer not only from the Nationals, but from right out of the grasp of the Padres, who looked like they were going to swing a deal for Scherzer, only for the Dodgers to come in and pull the rug out from under them, take Scherzer themselves. They also get Trey Turner, another all-star, and then the Dodgers also added in a separate trade, Danny Duffy. So the Dodgers, clearly not happy being in second place to the rival Giants, they made move. Speaking of those Giants, they went out and got perhaps the best bat on the market in the former Cub, Chris Bryant. And then in the AL, two big rivals, the Yankees, making huge moves that we talked about on that last episode. We expected these Yankees to come out here and make big moves. They get it in Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs, Joey Gallo from the Rangers. They made some separate moves as well, including Andrew Heaney coming over from the Angels. But Rizzo and Gallo, those are the headlines. Those are the big, powerful names that, hope that if you're a Yankees fan, hopefully uh, power this lineup to a postseason berth. The Red Sox, rival Red Sox, pick up Kyle Schorber from the Nationals. The Mets... They make their move. It wasn't Chris Bryant like Eric wanted. Sorry, Eric. But they get Javi Baez, Chris Bryant's teammate. The Blue Jays pick up some pitching help in Jose Berrios and Brad Hand. Craig Kimbrell, he doesn't have to move, but he's moving teams. He goes from the Cubs to the White Sox. Kyle Gibson goes to the Phillies. And then Starling Marte goes from the Marlins to the A's. And I'm just getting, like, overwhelmed thinking about it, just listing it in, in, in general. And so I, I want to know from you guys, from my co-host, which of these moves moves the needle? Which which team made the best move at the trade deadline? Brendan, we'll welcome you back by letting you go first on this. Thank one. you very much, John. Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean that's just so much to keep up with right there. Like even the short list that you gave, that doesn't, that doesn't even include all the big names, and it's still, I mean, perhaps as you mentioned, the most wild trade deadline uh, certainly in recent history, and perhaps. Of all time, really. And I mean, for me, the short answer is I mean, I think the best trade is certainly 
Trey Turner and Max Scherzer to the Dodgers, but I'm going to go with somebody different. I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path. I think actually the best trade was um, the best move that worked out for both clubs, actually, I think. And I'm going to surprise people. I'm going to say the Cubs made the best trade. And I'm going to pick not any of the names that you listed, but I think the Kimbrel trade where they shipped him out to the White Sox uh, fetched a much bigger price tag than I expected. I mean, Kimbrell's having a great year. I mean, it really fits the mold of what the White Sox were looking for. I think they needed some back-end help, even with Liam Hendricks there. Uh, their bullpen's been a little lackluster outside of him this year. They've got some good lefties, but they really needed uh, kind of an eighth-inning guy. And I think between Kimbrell and Hendricks, they'll be able to lock that down um, and kind of shorten the games and, and really put the pressure on other teams, even after their dominant starters come out of the game. But for the Cubs, I mean, they get a huge haul back with – uh, their second baseman, seemingly of the future, and Nick Madrigal. This is a guy I've seen play a couple times, and I've watched him on TV a few times, uh, you know, being up here in White Sox territory, as I like to call it. So uh, I like Nick Madrigal a lot. I think he's got a bright future in the MLB. I don't know that he's going to be, you know, the next Javi Baez or anything, but I think he'll be, you know, a serviceable plus war second baseman, and that gives them the freedom to move Nick, Nico Horner over to shortstop. Uh, now that Baez is gone and, and out of nowhere, they've got their middle infield of the future locked up uh, for, you know, a little while. And, you know, Cody Hoyer, the pitcher they got in the deal as well, is nobody to scoff at either. I think he's got pretty good stuff. He's got the makings of a nice young pitcher. And uh, with a little fine-tuning and, uh, you know, a few more years of experience in the league, I think that he could make the jump to being a middle-of-the-rotation guy and – you know, really help out this Cubs team that is, is looking like they're going to go for a really quick rebuild. And uh, it hurts me to say that, but, yeah, I think they did make the best trade, and it works out for both sides. So good on the Chicago teams, and uh, I'm glad they both got what they wanted, I suppose. Yeah, and, and it's it'll be exciting, I think, if you're a White Sox fan, to see a bullpen made up of uh, Michael Kopech, Garrett Crochet, Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks, that could definitely shorten a lot of games Playoff come playoff time. Eric, do you just want to sing the Dodgers praises here, or do you have something else that you want to point to? I mean, I, I will briefly mention I, I do like the moves that the Dodgers made, particularly the big middle finger that they gave to the Padres, considering the discussion that the three of us had when we did think Scherzer was going to move to the Padres, and now he gladly sits, happily sits on the Dodgers roster. Um, I also like their Danny Duffy move. But I, I think also in line with Brendan's train of thought, I also want to point out one of the Cubs trades as well. I, I think I don't think it's as surprising that we're picking out the Cubs based on the volume of moves that they've made uh, since they basically re-sent out everybody that's on their roster and redid their roster with Baez, Rizzo, Brian, Kimbrell. Um, I could easily interpret that as a shot at their front office but I think um, they made a lot of good quality trades like Brennan was saying I, I do respect Chris Bryant a lot um, I was I'm a big fan of him as a player since uh, the Cubs World Series run in 2016 and it hurts me a lot to see him on the Giants roster but I think if I were a fan of the Giants which I'm very clearly not uh, Chris Bryant definitely fits a need for the Giants and from my perspective, definitely propels them to the contender that I never saw them, any, uh, saw them as um, at the beginning of the year. I don't think any of them saw them as at the beginning of the year. They, he um, 
fits the corner infielder's role that uh, Brandon Bell and Emma Angoria, who I think both are injured at the moment, um, and he can play basically anywhere else in the outfield as well. Um, and he's definitely posting a solid year at the plate. So I think for the Giants themselves, I think that was a great move by them. I, I expected him to go to the Mets, like John referenced earlier, but it's it's a surprise to me that he, he ended up on the Giants. I think it's a good move for them. Yeah, and, and I think it's big from the Giants to see them come out and say, all year people have been questioning whether or not we can keep this up. I think we've answered those questions, but we're going to double down in answering those questions by making this huge acquisition. I called him maybe the best bat available at the trade deadline, and the Giants are the one who got the deal done. I'm going to make it three for three in terms of trades involving the Cubs, and I'm going to go with Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees. We talked about it pretty thoroughly last time, Eric and I, uh, about how the Yankees needed to make a big move, and... They made the Joey Gallo deal first. That was the one that came across the wire uh, first out of any of the major Yankees trades. And I was like, okay, so they're probably done adding offensive pieces. But no, 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 no. They come out and make a second big deal. They get Rizzo. And I think what Rizzo represents more than just a offensive threat, a left-handed offensive threat that the Yankees lineup was really lacking, is leadership, is someone who's been kind of the captain of a World Series winning team when he was in with their in Chicago in 2016 and the Yankees really seem to lack that uh they have players who are pretty experienced but I don't know that they're experienced when it comes to finding that you know next level of 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 fight to take this team from a position where they're still on the outside looking in and then pull it all the way back and make the playoffs and, and maybe make a run. So I thought that move, for me personally, was the best one that was made. Now, shifting to another uh, another sort of area, what was the most surprising move for you guys? One that you're just like, no way, I can't believe that this team were willing to make that trade. So from my perspective, I think I already referenced it a little bit. I think overall, I'm just surprised at how much the Cubs tore it all down. I think uh, I'm going to reference again to one of our earlier podcasts. Uh, we were discussing whether the Cubs would move Chris Bryant earlier in the year, and Brandon pointed out that he, he answered no, he didn't think they would trade him because of how, uh, I guess, confident the front office would be in their players, or, or um, I'm sure he gave a shot at them during when he talked about it, but how unlikely they were to actually move the rest of their players uh, based on where they felt they were. Obviously, the Cubs fell down a lot as they neared the trade deadline, so it was more obvious them for them to tear it all down. For me personally, I was surprised that Rizzo would move, uh, particularly to the Yankees. I honestly thought Rizzo would stay or honestly go to a different team. So it's, it's particularly surprising for me for them to move one of their, their core players that's been with them for a while to another team absolutely yeah I, I was I think there was a lot of noise that Rizzo was the least likely player to move and he moved I think even before Baez or Bryant those trades were finalized and so that was definitely surprising for me it was a, maybe a little less talked about trade but one that I think could end up being really important and that is Jose Berrios to the Blue Jays I didn't think the Blue Jays were going to be buyers necessarily I think they have such an exciting young core that 
they really didn't need to force the issue in any way. If, if it didn't happen for them this year, it was still going to be right there for the taking next year, but they do, they go out and they be aggressive. Uh, they trade away some really high level prospects for Jose Barrios. And it's hard for me to say whether that is a deal that is going to push them over the Yankees, over the A's into that last wild card spot. But it was both surprising and exciting for me to see them go out there and make an aggressive move like that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I didn't expect the Blue Jays to go out and make a splash, but it's kind of crazy that they're in the fourth place in the division. Uh, they have the best run differential in their division, I think, which is insane for a fourth place team. So I, I for one, really hope that they turn it around and some of these moves that they made. Is, I really like Jose Barrios. I mean, I think he gives them a spark, not just for this year, but for next year as well. And that's exactly the uh, kind of home cooking they were looking for when they were at the trade deadline. So it was it was cool to see them go out and do that. Um, Eric, just jumping back, I think the word I used to describe the Cubs front office was uh, incompetent before. So, yeah, I, I think it was more of just like I didn't think that they had it in them to actually tear it all down and get rid of the World Series winning core, but – I stand corrected, but I did get the part, you know, where at the trade deadline they would be in the second half of the division and under 500 a need to do that. So kudos to them for recognizing correctly that they needed to move on. But, yeah, kind of interesting they moved Rizzo. It sounded like their relationship was broken in between the front office and Rizzo. And, I mean, I heard rumors that there were some comments made by the front office that they were trying to get a deal done for – not only Rizzo, but, you know, most of the core guys, and it was an issue on the players' end. But Rizzo did an interview, I believe, and uh, wasn't too happy about the comments that were made. So um, who knows what actually happened, but certainly interesting to see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit off the beaten path here for my most surprising trade, and I'll keep it short because it's not even a, a player that we've mentioned yet. And I don't even really know that it counts as a trade deadline move since it actually happened after the trade deadline. Um, but... Stop me if you guys have heard this, but the Blue Jays actually traded John Axford to the Milwaukee Brewers a couple days ago, and he made his first appearance in the Major League since 2018. And this is an interesting story because John Axford used to be a pretty dominant reliever. You know, he closed games for the Brewers for a long time, as well as some other teams. I believe he last played for the Dodgers in 2018. And he had been working in uh, the broadcast booth, actually, for the Blue Jays for a little while at the beginning of the year. Uh, he made an appearance for Canada in an Olympic qualifier game, and he was touching, I think, upper 90s. I think he topped out at 98 with his fastball. And the Blue Jays said, what the heck? They gave him a minor league contract. He was in AAA for a while. He had a sub-1 ERA. He was striking everybody out. Uh, I, I think hitters were hitting less than 100 against him. And the Brewers acquired this man, who was not on the 40-man roster, and this is how this was able to happen after the trade deadline, by trading the Toronto Blue Jays a whopping $1. $1 for a major league player. And the very first game John Axford appeared in for the Brewers a couple days ago, it's heartbreaking, but he got hurt. And now he has to have an MRI, and he may be missing the rest of the season. And I truly hope for John. I'm pretty sure it's, con- I'm pretty sure it's confirmed at this point that he's, he's done. Okay, the yeah, I hadn't seen that, but it's it's just kind of a terrible story for, for this guy. I mean, I feel terrible for him. He's... 
This is a guy who spent over a decade in the major leagues, and now he's being remembered as the guy who was traded for a dollar and then appeared in one game. So I guess you could say that the Brewers got what they paid for, but I just thought that was an interesting trade. Um, Certainly not the way you wanted your comeback to go after you made it all the way back to the major leagues the first time in three years. But, I mean, what are you going to do? He cost you a dollar. Yeah, that was definitely one I didn't. Th- I, that wasn't on my radar. So that is that is definitely uh, surprising out of left field. However, you want to characterize it, I would definitely uh, agree. And so, so moving on to the power rankings, we've had another shakeup that was heavily influenced by all of those trades we just talked about, and making their return to the number one spot. I'm sure a a position Eric would say is sort of their divine right. And that is the Los Angeles Dodgers. They are back to number one after previously being number three coming up in the rear are those rival San Francisco giants who moved down one spot. Then at three, the Astros who also get bumped down one spot. They continue to score all the runs in the world. They continue to be a huge threat in the AL Number four, the team I called the best team in baseball last time out. That is the Chicago White Sox, who, since I said that, have not been playing the best, but still make the top five at number four. And then rounding out the uh, fifth spot in the power rankings this week, the Tampa Bay Rays, who recently swept the Red Sox, took over first place in the American League East, and are riding high. And so instead of doing our usual oh, tell me one team that you like, tell me one team that you agree with or surprise you or anything like that. We're going in a different direction with this week's power rankings. And the reason that we're doing that is because it's playoff time or it's getting really close to playoff time. The playoff races are on. And so seeing those power rankings, uh, not just the top five, but, but all of them, seeing those power rankings, gentlemen, and probably admitting like I think we can all agree that the Dodgers are with the addition of Scherzer and Turner and all the talent they already had they're the favorites in the NL given everything else who do you think is the favorite in the AL right now I think I'm going to take the easy one out here guys I mean for me it's the White Sox I think this is a two option question I think you can go with the White Sox or you can go with the Astros I mean if you want to make the case for an AL East team think you have an argument there but I mean watching these teams it just kind of seems like it's going to be a White Sox Astros ALCS unless something drastic happens with the Tampa Bay Rays where they you know somehow squeak through like they have all season similar to the Giants so for me I think the White Sox are the most complete American League team I think they filled the holes that they needed to in their bullpen at the trade deadline they addressed some issues that they had and they're going to get some Key pieces back through injury. Uh, I mean, Yasmani Grandal's been hurt for a while. Luis Robert just came back. Uh, excuse me, no, Luis Robert is still coming back, and they just got Eli Jimenez back. Uh, and I think that's going to propel them not only to a good position heading into the playoffs, but uh, I think that they should walk all over whoever they face in the first round. And then assuming they see the Astros and the ALCS, I think that is a favorable matchup for this White Sox. So I believe if I go back and I look at our uh, predictions episode, I believe I had the Astros coming out of the AL, but I believe I also had it as a White Sox-Astros ALCS. 
I'm going to change my tune from the prediction. I'm still, I still agree with Brendan. A, White Sox, Astros, ALCS seems like the way it's heading right now. And I'm going to continue back in the White Sox. I love the Kimbrel edition. Like I said earlier, it gives them three explosive arms out of the bullpen to go with their powerful rotation. And we know that they have the offense. We're going to get, they're going to get more of those offensive pieces back from injury. So not to be an echo chamber here, but I can't to, you know, go two weeks ago and say the White Sox are the best team in baseball. And now we're cutting it down to just the American league and not continue to back them. I would love to see the Southsiders make an AL run to the world, you know, make a run through the AL to the world series. And I think they really can. I think they would be, they should be the favorites right now. Now, Eric, are you going to make this a clean sweep for the White Sox or are you going to throw some love somewhere else? Los Angeles Angels income. Well, I, I hate, I kind of hate. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's put out those Angels for as favorites, guys. Put in those bets right now. But um, I kind of hate that you guys have done this to me because, I, I mean, I would echo Brendan's earlier point that the two obvious answers, and I, I guess John also referenced it as well, are the White Sox and the Astros. So I guess to avoid the clean sweep, I, I guess I have to say the Astros here. Get your cans um, out. Because I, I really don't. I really don't think it's a it's it's clearly the White Sox at the moment, considering how well the Astros have done and the trades that they've made at the uh, trade deadline, particularly to shore up their bullpen as well to basically steal Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero from their uh, AL West buddies, the the Mariners, and they are also a powerhouse still on the at the plate as well with, I mean, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, uh, Yuli Gurriel, um, Michael Brantley. So I, I think they'll uh, match up particularly well against the impending White Sox matchup, considering they also already have a better head-to-head regular season uh, 2021 matchup with the White Sox. So if, if we were to make a smart bet, I, I think it would have to be the Astros. As much as it pains me to say it, Eric doesn't. So I, I want to follow up with you there, Eric. Doesn't part of you want the Astros to come out of the AL? Doesn't as a Dodgers fan, doesn't part of you want there to be this rematch of the 2017 World Series that I'm sure Dodgers fans argue was stolen for them by the cheating antics of the Astros? I mean, it very clearly was stolen from them. Oh, but I think gosh. from a, as a Dodgers fan's perspective, I don't think that the Astros players deserve that clean conscience that they won a clean World Series. So so your your position as a Dodgers fan is just like, if the Astros never make another World Series, I'm happy. I don't need the redemption of another matchup of the Dodgers and the Astros so that the Dodgers can win fair and square and put no doubt in people's mind that had the 2017 World Series been played cleanly, the Dodgers also would have won. You don't want that. I don't want those players uh, currently on the Astros who are on that previous team to win a World Series with the Astros. I'm ha- I'm fine with them winning a World Series anywhere else, and I'm fine with possibly the Astros winning a clean World Series later on, point, 20 years down the line with a new roster. But I don't think that roster of players that uh, had that um, World Series win back 
uh, a couple years ago to get another World Series win or ch- opportunity, I guess, in this immediate uh, present. Okay. All right, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna step in. I got I got to play devil's advocate a little bit here. I I think it's I mean mm-hmm. it's funny to kind of hate on the Astros, especially because I don't really like them. But I think if we're being realistic, I think mm-hmm. this is a thing. Like, it's kind of like the sticky stuff situation, right? I think the Astros are the team mm-hmm. that got caught. I think realistically, it's probably fair to say that the majority. Well, maybe not the majority, but a sizable amount of teams in the league had some sort of system in place to do something similar. So I think, yeah, especially when it gets to the World Series, it's really frustrating. I can't even imagine if my, if the Cardinals had lost a World Series and found out that the other team was blatantly stealing signs and banging on trash cans and whatever to relay them. But, I mean, we got to be realistic here. I think this was a problem around the league and possibly still could be, but the Astros are just kind of like the shame fest and we're getting to the point where it's like, I mean, these guys, these are talented guys. Like they could probably make a world series on their own. And if they do, then great. Like I don't really hold it against them anymore, but um, I mean, I understand from your perspective. I mean, I I was very happy for the Astros to win. Like I was not very happy, but because I was obviously disappointed that the Dodgers won, but or lost. But if, the Astros won, or when the Astros won, at that point in time, I was like, all right, this Astros team deserves it. They have very clearly good players. But, I mean, no other news came out for the rest of the league yet about anything else about, uh, like, that situation, right? So, like, I, I think it's very uh, okay to hold it against them. I mean, I think, yeah, we'll wrap this up. But I think this is, you know, a conversation we could have much longer, but maybe we'll cover that on a future episode. And, I mean, there's been, like, a myriad of comments from other players around the league saying that this is not just an Astros problem. And I think even Joey Votto said yesterday or today that, like, all the trash cans that are showing up in stadiums when the Astros come to play, even, like, in the White Sox stadium a couple weeks ago, I know it happened in L.A. last night. Um I mean, he basically just came out and said, like, this isn't just an Astros problem. And, yeah, they were the public scapegoat, and now the MLB is kind of like, you know, they, they had their little shame fest. They were the poster boys of this issue, and now it's like hush-hush around the league. Don't do it. Don't talk about it. But, I mean, realistically, in that era, I think it was probably more than just one team. Like, it wasn't just this group of guys that came together and came up with this idea. No, it's fair. But I, so I think it'll be interesting either way, but we'll just have to wait and see how this plays out. Now, talking maybe more about teams outside of the top five, there are a lot of teams that are either in the playoffs right now or just outside the playoff situation that are missing some of their really key contributors. Kyle Schwarber, who was that big trade acquisition for the Red Sox, he hasn't played yet. We've talked about uh, Luis Robert and Yasmani Grandal for the White Sox coming back. Eloy Jimenez just coming back. Uh, Alex Bregman for the Astros. He's been out for almost two months. Kershaw on the Dodgers. The Mets have a whole host of injuries. And so my question to you guys is, which team... Assuming these guys come back soon, because all of you know, most of the names that I mentioned are slated to come back sometime this month. Which team stands to gain the most with respect to their push for the playoffs by having these guys come back, 
by having their major injuries um, sort of wiped off their slate and, and being at full force again? I'm interested. I mean, I guess I probably have two answers here, but I'm just interested to see how the city of New York does with all of their pitchers coming back. With Jacob deGrom currently injured, with Noah Syndergaard uh, been out for a long while and seeing how he pitches in the upcoming playoff push. And then on the Yankees side, having Corey Kluber coming back after a long injury and always also Luis Severino. Um, currently, their pitching staff, more on the Mets side, is currently holding on, the, holding on the fort. But I think with the added reinforcements, I think it will go a long way in having a stable push to the playoffs. Yeah, I think... Brennan, how about yeah, you? I think I agree with you. I think, without a doubt, for me, the answer is the New York Mets. I mean, this is a team that struggled since the All-Star break. I think they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. I could be wrong. I don't know if that's updated or not. But uh, they're just barely clinging on to their lead in the NL East. They've got the Phillies on their tail. They've got the Braves making a push. Um, and, I mean, I think they're only like four or five games over 500 at this point. So, uh, I think, without a doubt, the best player that's hurt right now is Jacob deGrom. And the team that needs him the most right now, out of all the players that are hurt, are the New York Mets. So I think when he comes back, that's a guy you can depend on every fifth day to give you a chance to win the game, if not outright win the game for you. So that's definitely a big push that they're going to need down the stretch and in a potential playoff series, should they have one. So I agree with you that DeGrom is the best player that is hurt. Perhaps the second best player, one that hasn't been hurt for quite as long, but is currently missing in action, and that's Fernando Tatis Jr. And a storyline that has sort of caught my eye is that I think throughout this whole season, there was no doubt in our mind, no doubt in our mind, the Dodgers and the Padres are making the playoffs. And while they still currently sit, you know, squarely in the playoffs at the time of recording, there are a lot of teams sort of sneaking up on the Padres in that second wild card position. And to me, there is a huge chance that the Padres fall out of that position if Tatis is not healthy. They also have Denelson Lamette, who has sort of been off and on the injured list all year, getting him back, whether that's using him. I think they've used him a little bit out of the bullpen or using him as a starter, as was expected. That can be huge for them. But to me, the Padres are not, even though they have a lot more talent and they, and they acquired even more talent in trading for Adam Frazier from the, from the Pirates, I don't think this team gets there and I certainly think they don't get across the line in terms of uh, wait, making it out of that potential wild card game with the Dodgers if Tatis is not healthy and he is not the one that is sort of the catalyst for that lineup. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense to me. I'll also throw out an honorable mention for the, for the Red Sox with Chris L coming back and also their newly uh, their new trade acquisition in Kyle Schwarber and getting added reinforcements um, there as well. Because and yeah, and I think that's that's really worth mentioning. Uh, I didn't even think about Chris Sale. Chris Sale could be a game changer for a Red Sox team that I've said all year. The pitching is the biggest question mark to me, and they prove me wrong time and time again. But if he can come out and be effective, the Red Sox are currently in second in the AL East. I don't think uh, after we saw them play so well to start the season and maintain that that we expected them to to fall back under the Rays, or most people 
I'm not surprised by it, but I don't think most people expected that. So yeah, Chris Sale coming back, maybe the biggest dark horse, biggest X X factor, however you want to phrase it, um, in the AL. All right, so moving on from our leadoff segments into the middle of the order, into the competitive segments, and thankfully, after so long, we are going to have the return of Who's That Man with Eric as the host. But before we get to that gentleman, I wanted to pose a different question. We've talked about who we maybe expect to win the World Series, or to make it to the World Series, I should say. But I want to know from you who you want to have make it to the World Series of the teams that are sort of in and around the playoff conversation. And then also what teams you were dreading the possibility of them making it to the World Series. And Eric, I want to hear from you first. And I think I know the answer in the NL, but I'd like to hear you say it. <laughs> I think I think yeah I think both of my answers for Dream World Series and Nightmare World Series are going to be more obvious, uh, maybe compared to you guys. And so for my Dream World matchup, it's obviously the Dodgers coming out of the NL versus the White Sox coming out of the AL. Um, it's definitely nice to have a LA Chicago matchup. And if the Dodgers weren't to win, I think I would have great respect for the White Sox coming out of the south side of Chicago to, to win since, uh, I guess, a decade and a half ago at this point. Um, for my Nightmare World Series matchup, is something I also alluded to earlier on this uh, podcast, is would definitely be the Giants versus the Astros, because I honestly have no idea who I'd root for in that matchup. I, we, we, in, in my household growing up, we used to say, that's one where you root for the umpires. That's one where you root for... Uh, the equivalent of the earthquake in San Francisco all those years ago so that the game gets postponed and, and, and you just try to have as much chaos go on as possible. For me, I think it's a lot less straightforward. Obviously, my favorite team is nowhere near contention. We are a last place team, as we have been for seemingly the last, uh, I don't even know how long, uh, so for me, it's a little less straightforward. I also would love to see the White Sox come out of the AL. I, I think it would be great to see them make a resurgence after, you know, patiently and, and very competently rebuilding this team. And I also, you know, I, I love the city of Chicago having, you know, spent the college years there. And I have always been more of a White Sox fan than a Cubs fan. And so I would love to see them represent Chicago there. For the Dream NL representative, I'm going to go with a little bit of sentiment here as well. I'd love to see the Mets make it. Uh, My dad, I don't know if I've ever shared this on the podcast before, my dad grew up as a lifelong Mets fan from the age of, from a very young age. Um, But after the catastrophes of 2007, where they blew that, you know, big lead down the stretch uh, to miss the playoffs. And then, you know, repeating with a similar feat in 2008, he uh, abandoned the Mets and has since uh, joined the Orioles fandom. And so even though I don't think my dad considers himself a Mets fan any longer, I I still hold a little bit of sentiment there. 
uh, with the the Mets. And so I, I really like to see. And and the other part of it is, is I really like to see Jacob Degrom on the biggest stage because I don't think there's any doubt that if the Mets are going to make it to the World Series, it's going to be through a big contribution from Jacob Degrom. Uh, and Jacob Degrom, I've championed him on this podcast basically all season, so I would love to see him make it out for the nightmare and john yeah. oh i'm sorry no, go ahead, go I, ahead. I would say like that that's i actually love that matchup as well i i that reminds me a lot of their mets and royals 2015 world series matchup yeah uh where the mets had i mean noah Syndergaard, jacob Degrom at that time also matt harvey and steven matz and also like now with uh carlos carrasco and and marcus stroman on the list it, it feels like they have the the anchor there on their pitching rotation to also like be that World Series contender. And it's not the most likely matchup, obviously. I think if we had to pick the worst team that is right now in a playoff position, that would probably be the Mets. But again, I'd love to see DeGrom get to that stage. In terms in terms of the worst matchup, my nightmare matchup, I have to put the Red Sox in it. Just as a AL East fan, just as someone who has always despised the Red Sox and, and, and that team. Uh, some of the characters that have made me, you know, really just not like these guys are not there anymore, but I still don't want to see the Red Sox in the World Series. It would also sort of put egg on my face after I picked the Red Sox to, I believe, finish fourth in the division in, in the beginning of the season. So I, I definitely don't want to see the Red Sox. The NL is a little trickier for me. If, I, if I'm being honest, um, I I, I want to go. I, I want to go the Padres just because for for some reason, the idea of them being in the World Series doesn't sit super well with me. I can't exactly put my finger on why at this point. Uh, maybe it's because I expected more things out of Blake Snell and he has completely disappointed me this year for them. Um, and it's also weird because Manny Machado, a player I love um, from his Oriole days and, and still have love for now, is on that team. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it, the Padres being in the World Series just wouldn't quite sit right with me, at least for this season. So I think my nightmare matchup would be Red Sox-Padres. Does that have anything to do with Tatis making a World Series before um, Guerrero Jr. there, John? It probably does. In all, in all honesty, I, I should have put that together because um, you know how much I love Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, he is, I think I would call him my favorite player who doesn't play for the Orioles in, in Major League Baseball right now. And so that may be part of it is that there is a quasi-rivalry between those two players for the title of best young talent in the Major Leagues. Uh, and so that may be part of it, yeah. Um, not that I dislike Fernando Tatis, but if it is a comparison between Tatis and Guerrero, like I am 100% in the Vlad Guerrero Jr. camp. Sure. Also, one more quick thought. I've never thought about this before, but after you mentioned your dad's Mets fandom and then transitioning into the Orioles fandom, have you just considered that maybe your dad's bad luck? Like <laughs> maybe he shouldn't be a fan of your team? Well, okay. <laughs> You got to remember, though, my dad has seen his team win two World Series in his lifetime. That's fair. So it's not like he's he's not like complete bad luck. Um, so, no, I, I'm not going to put that on my dad as, as a bad luck charm. Yeah. Although, certainly in my lifetime, he hasn't had a lot of uh, 
winning teams. To He's root just in a slump. He's also, just in a slump. Is all. Yeah, yeah. That's it's all in jest. We all, we all, we all love Mr. Beers. He's a good guy. So, Brendan, for you, Dream World Series, Nightmare World Series. The Cubs don't seem like they're going to make it, so it can't be the worst nightmare of all. But what are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, for me, Dream World Series. I'm going to go the Chicago route as well. I mean, I like this White Sox team. It would be cool to see them, especially living in the Chicago area. You know, I I have friends that are White Sox fans. I'd probably go to at least one of the games, I'm sure. Um, It would be great to see this young team make it, I think, a little earlier than I expected and a little earlier than most people expected. They've got that kind of, like, ragtag dominant starting pitching rotation that nobody really expected to be dominant for the reasons that they are. And... Uh, you know, they're obviously full of firepower on the offensive side. So I'd love to see the White Sox in the World Series. And I'm actually going to go with the Padres on the NL side for my dream matchup because uh, I'm not really a huge fan of the Padres, but, you know, they're one of the few NL teams that I can truly say I don't dislike as a Cardinals fan. And I do kind of like their, like, flary young core that they've got going. Not a huge fan of Manny Machado, but I like Tatis. I like, you know, that they're the third California team, kind of. And I, I obviously hate the Giants and the Dodgers. So uh, it would just kind of be nice for me to see the Padres be the team to come out of the NL and stick it to the, the two big brothers out there in California. So that's who I'm going with. So before I, before I let you get to the nightmare one, how hilarious would it be? for a Fernando Tatis-led Padres team to face off against the White Sox, the team that traded him away for what ended up being an incredibly busted version of James Shields. Yeah, that's certainly an angle for sure. I mean, that's that's, uh, a big hurt for the White Sox, but... um... Yeah, it would, it would. Like that'd be hilarious. James Shield, big game, James. That's a name I haven't heard. Big in a game, while. James. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, super James poetic Shields. justice. All right, nightmare. What's I, the nightmare matchup, Brendan? Or did Eric? Did you want to get in for something? No, I just want to say for I'm kind of indifferent about the the rest of the Padres uh, roster, but I think it would be nice to see you, Darvish, and Blake Snell get a World Series ring. See, those are here. those I'm are the two guys who I hate the most on the Padres, so that's not a reason for me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's, that's why I groan when you pick the Padres, but I know there's players on the Right, I mean, like, like, look, my options in the NL are pretty thin. I, I obviously can't pick the Cardinals because they're miles away from the playoffs, let alone a World Series at this point. Um, I mean, I can't pick the Dodgers. I can't pick the Giants. I'm not going to pick the Brewers. I'm not going to pick the Reds. I'm not going to pick, like, it's between the Padres and whoever I think's coming out of the NL East, really. I like the Mets. I would love to see the Mets rotation in a World Series, but, hey, why not? Tatis is fun to watch. So what's the nightmare? Nightmare scenario. This is, gosh, I mean, this just makes my blood boil even thinking about it, John. Like, the fact that you added this question to this, made me sad because I had to think about the possibility of this. And it seems like the majority of World Series in the last decade have been hard for me to watch based on the matchups. Uh, as you, it's either been the Cardinal, it's either been the Cardinals in it or it's been ultimate exactly, sadness, right? Exactly. As you said, that's the one where you root for the umpires, right? So yeah, here's the one where I'm rooting for the umpires. It's uh, unfortunately, Eric, it's the Dodgers. I mean, I just, gosh, they're, it's just everything that I can't stand. I mean, 
you go out, you, like, who needs prospects? You just buy all the players you need every year. You pay them millions and millions of dollars, and then you have a great team. You don't have to worry about any strategy or bringing players up. or It doesn't matter. You just trade for whoever's the best players in the league. And, hey, look at that. You're going to win 100 games, and you got a free walk to the World Series because nobody else can even spend anywhere near as much money as you can. And similarly to that, I'm going to go with the Yankees on the other side. Uh, because they do the exact same thing. And the Dodgers are the Yankees of the West, and uh, they've certainly done it better than the Yankees have in the last 20 years. But especially after this trade deadline, it would just be uh, a big frustration in my mind to see both of these teams be rewarded for playing uh, a much different game than the majority of the league is playing. And uh, I think this is an issue that definitely needs to be addressed by the MLB. I don't think they need to worry as much about sticky stuff. I think they need to figure out how to make it an even playing field for all 30 teams because you're, this happens every year or every two years. It's like the the mid to small market teams, the team I feel worse for, honestly, is the Rays because they've put together so many good teams and they have basically nothing to show for it because – they continually get outspent by their AL East rivals, and, and they have mountains to climb to a World Series, whereas the Yankees can just buy their way in. So that's my, my nightmare scenario matchup. I would, I would be very upset to see those two teams make it to the World Series again. Got to admit, I'm a little surprised after the sting of what I believe is still the most recent Cardinals World Series appearance. Close second is the Red Sox. That you Close didn't, second is the Red Sox. Don't that, you didn't, that you didn't go Red Sox. I was going to say, uh, like, it doesn't surprise me that you were sort of between the Red Sox and the Yankees, but it, it does surprise me that you ended up putting the Yankees above the Very, Red Sox. very close second is the Red Sox. I, I don't mean, like, the Red Sox core that I hate is basically all gone. Like, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, that pitching staff, I, I couldn't stand them. They were... They, and John Lester, who's now a Cardinal. So, yeah, those, those are all the guys. That's Yeah, which is so yeah, weird. He, uh, he got shelled pretty bad in, his, in the first inning of his first start for us yesterday. But, yeah, it's uh, – So so on par with all the other new Cardinals pitchers. Yeah, that's right. Welcome year. to the rotation, John Lester. We're glad to have you. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I still hate the Red Sox, but most of the guys I dislike are gone now. So, I guess no harm, no foul. Plus, I don't really see the Red Sox as, like, a huge threat, really. I think they're going to be in the playoffs most likely, but uh, it would just really grind my gears to see the Yankees be rewarded for their blatant overspending and going out and buying Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo because they don't need prospects. They'll just buy whoever they need. Yeah, so we will see if any of those matchups play out. Hopefully none of the nightmares play out, and maybe we'll get one of the – dream matchups for one of our hosts and with that we have reached the long anticipated return of who's that man it has been weeks upon weeks into months since we have entered the arena of who's that man and we do so now again with eric as the host and so getting our buzzers ready let's play who's that man all right, I've reset the buzzers. Welcome back, everyone, for another round of Who's That Man. I hope you're excited as I am. Uh, can you guys actually remind me what the score is? Because it has also been a while since we've done this. I don't completely remember. So I know I'm two and one. Eric, I want to say you're one and three, and then I don't. I'm not sure about Brendan. Uh, 
right, I just wanted to make sure. But let's see if uh, John can come back on top on this one versus Brendan. All right. For my first player, um, I, I kind of like to highlight some of the uh, good or positive stats that, or positive or negative stats that uh, might be showing uh, from some of these players throughout the league. So my first player is, as of today, this player leads the league in singles with 100. No one's buzzing in yet. This player bats righty and throws righty. All right, he currently wears number 22, but he previously wore number six. Uh, Brendan buzzed in. Trey Turner? I have no idea what his jersey number is. This is not Trey Turner. Uh... Johnny, you have a guess here? Oh, let me reset No, no, here. no, no. Uh, let's go on to the next one. All right. Uh, draft position. So this player was drafted in the sixth round from Loyola Marymount University. All right. All right. I'm gonna, oh, John, I'm going to take a, right. a wild guess here. Is it Tommy Pham? It is not Tommy Pham. Okay. Let me I believe he look. wears 22, though, for the Padres. That's where, that's where my head was. So I will say earlier to uh, Brendan's call-out, Trey Turner is third in the league in singles mm. at the moment. Tommy Pham is not in the top ten. Yeah, that, again, that was just a, a jersey number thing. Keep going. All right, this player currently plays in the AL. At least I hope he didn't, trade, <laughs> didn't get traded. <laughs> All right, John. Is it Whit Merrifield? It is oh, not Whit Merrifield. Oh, down to down to my down to my last guess. guess. Okay. Let me see if Whit Merrifield is in the top half. I, I don't see him in the top ten. So All right, I had to go, here, boys. I'm just I, I, I'm just swinging at balls here. All right. Here's the next. Here's the next uh, clue here. He also led the league in singles last year in 2020, oh and he was third in 2019. So clearly he's not getting any respect here. Clear. But these are just singles, to be clear. Clearly. <laughs> All right. No one's buzzing in here. We're good. They're getting a little I'm nervous. I'm terrified that John's going to steal this one. Here we go. This player plays in the AL West. No way. John, with is his it, last guess. Is it David Fletcher? Dang it. It is David Fletcher. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> this man currently leads the league in singles. I was trying to think of somebody who was on the athletics. I was like, it has to be. Some some random guy has 100 singles for sure. So so speaking of the athletics, my my head was all set to buzz in and say Marcus Simeon. Because I think he wears 20-something. That's who I was going to go with. And then Eric says AL West, and I'm like, oh, crap, can't be Marcus Simeon. Yeah. But then I pull out David Fletcher. Uh, ah, David Fletcher, the un, a number of, one of a number of, of undervalued players for the Angels who still, despite all their talent, are well on the outside looking in. for the Out of curiosity, Eric, do you know who, where Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is on the singles? He is fifth uh, on the list. Okay, that was going to be my guess after you said AL West. The, the, the top five in singles are Fletcher, Fraser, Turner, 
uh, Bichette and Tanner Philippa. All right. Well done. Well done. All man. right. Moving on. All right. 1-0, John, at the moment. We'll move on to our next player. This one's definitely a little more tricky. Uh, this player is tied with four others with the most times caught stealing, <laughs> but he has the worst stolen base percentage of the three with uh, the, with seven caught, uh, times caught stealing. Uh, Brendan Randy Rosarena. Dang it. I know he's been caught stealing so many times. That is a solid guess. I will tell you he is tied with this Uh, player, but he does not have the worst stolen base percentage of the five. All right. Next clue. This player bats lefty and throws lefty. No buzzing in right now. All right, move on to the next clue is this player currently wears number 16, but he previously wore number 40. No one's buzzed in yet. Here comes John's clue. This player was drafted in the first round out of the University of Arkansas. John. Andrew Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi is the correct answer. <laughs> Come on. Does back to back sweeps. Let's go. Uh, I love it. John's coming through. Tied it up with the head to head matchup against I'm Brendan. Here. I thought it was funny that you said that my uh, go like my clue to, to cue on was the draft, yep. which I mean, you're not wrong, but it's just funny how that narrative has changed because at the beginning I was the one to, I was queuing on the uniform number yeah. and now I'm queuing on the draft. Well, it's both. That's, uh, that's what's hard about it. Like this is, we, we joke about this, that it's, this is John's game because he knows all of the Jersey numbers. He knows everybody that was drafted ever in the history of baseball. And so it's like, <laughs> We have back-to-back clues where Eric and I literally gained like 0.1% of knowledge about the player. And John's like, oh, it has to be one of these two people that's ever played. <laughs> yeah, we're basically sitting on the current season stat that's interesting. Yeah, I'm like, oh my God, who has here. a lot of and singles this year? Hoping that we get to what, what team the player's <laughs> on. <laughs> Dang it. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys the third player yeah, if you guys just... want it. Uh, I'll give you guys the clues for a third player. All right, let's yeah, let's do it. Yeah, if you guys want to play it, if you want some redemption, uh, Brendan. This one's uh, this one's fun, I think. All right, this uh, this player leads the league in sacrifice hits with eleven. Adam Wainwright. Brendan. Adam Rainwright. Look there at this. Go. Why wasn't this <laughs> one of the first two? I thought it'd be fun if it was the tiebreaker. I just heard I just heard this stat the other day when I was watching it bitch. <laughs> no shot. Oh, I'm upset. Yeah. I'm upset, Eric. And I believe I believe that would have been the first or well, I guess maybe technically is the first repeat player because I believe Brendan had Adam Wainwright as, as one of his players I for uh, I think so, yeah. a previous Who's That Man. Yeah. So big Wayno getting a lot of love in the Who's That Man segment, but no love for Brendan this week as I sweep him. Gosh dang it. I'm upset. <laughs> Adam Wainwright is is currently fifth all time amongst active. Oh, sorry, fifth among active players in sacrifices. Oh wow, that's. I mean, I guess that makes sense. He is old. Yeah, you play he in the league. Play yeah. in the league for twenty years. That'll happen. <laughs> all right. So, 
once so we are done with who's that man another exciting who's that man especially for me well uh, done. going well on done, back John. to back sweeps and uh, i will take up hosting duties the next time around so i can't go for the trifecta of sweeps just yet thank goodness and me so and, me and eric get to have some fun <laughs> and so to close out the show we will call in our closer who is once again available for us we no longer have to do closer by committee we're calling in brendan to wrap up our show with series of the weekend yeah thanks for covering for me while i was on the injured list but it's time to cue enter sandman the uh the closer stepping back in um and we got another interesting series this weekend um we're going with giants at brewers and this does hurt a little bit you know not a big fan of either of these teams, but hey, they're they're two first place teams, two unexpected first place teams, I would say, late in the season. They made some splashes at the deadline. They kind of got a different look on their team. And uh, yeah, they've got some interesting storylines heading into this series this weekend. Not only do we get to see Corbin Burns, but we also get to see Brandon Woodruff. So it uh, should be interesting to see how the Giants power lineup stacks up against them. Um just a few quick trends for you guys before we get into the uh, you know nitty gritty of the series. But the Brewers are eleven and five since the All Star break. Um, however, they've only showed uh, excuse me they've only been three and four at home uh, since the break. Meanwhile, the Giants are ten and eight. They've had uh, I think a tough schedule since uh, the All Star break, and they're five and four away. So uh, both kind of hanging around five hundred. Uh, respectively home and away, and obviously both uh, performing well enough to hold on to their division leads that they had at the deadline, uh, excuse me, at the break. So uh, heading into the weekend, uh, I thought the biggest headline that I could find between the two teams is that these two teams are actually the most profitable teams uh, to bet on in the major leagues against right-handed pitchers this year when facing right-handed starters, I should say. Um, the Giants far and away number one on that list, and the Brewers um, uh, not super close behind them, but definitely in second, firmly ahead of uh, the third place team. So it's kind of a storyline of who's going to hit the right heat, the righties a little more, I think. And you know, as much slack as we've given the Brewers' offense, they've really picked it up in recent games, uh, especially since the break. Um, the Giants have been smoking right-handed pitching. They're 48-25 and 25 on the season against right-handed starters, and they average 5.15 runs per game. That includes a run of 12-5 and five against those righties since the start of July, and that average runs per game has even ticked up to 5.5 uh, for them since the beginning of July. And for the Brewers, over that same time period, they're 15-7 and seven against the righties since the start of July. But they're averaging even more runs. They're averaging 5.95 runs per game over that time period. And for the whole season, they're 54 and 33 against righties, uh, averaging just under five runs a game themselves. So we've got five starters that are right-handed throwing with Brett Anderson on Sunday for the Brewers, the lone lefty. And we've got some interesting matchups. Obviously, I mentioned Burns and Woodruff uh, for the Brewers, respectively, on Friday and Saturday. But... I want to hear your thoughts uh, just generally heading into this series this weekend. What kind of gets you excited about this series? What storylines are you guys looking at? And uh, we'll get into what we think the result will be a little later. But, uh, Eric, what are your thoughts on this series? I think from my point of view, 
these two teams are definitely the two teams that I've, I guess, disrespected the most. I think it's very clear that I've said the Brewers haven't been able to hit for like every single uh, recording that we've had. And the Brewers remain on top, and they're clearly pulling away in this division. And the Giants, who we talked about basically on most power rankings, sitting at the top that I think we've all said will probably fall out. But now they currently still sit at top of the division, and they're three and a half games up on the Dodgers. So I think it's a great matchup for them uh, in Milwaukee for them to kind of prove their point that they're going to sit at the top of the NL and uh, be a playoff contender. And for me, I think what's worth noting is that this is the first time these teams have played each other this year. And I think it's so rare that we get our first look at a matchup between two teams this late in the season, and they are two teams who are right in the thick of their divisions, the overall league. And so I am really excited because, like Eric said, these are maybe the two biggest surprises of the National League, certainly, maybe of the entire major leagues. I think the Giants are clearly the biggest surprise this season. And the Brewers right there behind them. And so, again, we talked about it last episode where we had the Brewers in our series of the weekend as well. And this is the first time we're doing a team in back-to-back series of the weekend. But this series was just too good to avoid. And so when we saw the Brewers and the White Sox go against each other, we were saying, okay, this is a prove-it series. The Brewers, they came out, they won that prove-it series. This is maybe even a bigger prove-it series because this is a, a matchup that you could see well before the World Series. And so I'm excited to see which team goes out and proves it. Yeah, I certainly agree with you, John. I mean, this is a big, big potential playoff matchup that we're seeing between two teams that a lot of people weren't expecting to see in this position. So I agree. They've still got a little bit, a little bit to go in the season, and they, uh, they definitely have some uh, proving to continue if they can stay on top of their respective divisions. So moving along to the uh, pitching matchups, we'll uh, just go over some brief stat- statistics here, and then we'll get into uh, our closing segments of the uh, podcast. And I'll start with the Friday matchup, guys. We're going to do this a little differently, and you guys will understand why in a second, but our stop the streak is centered around the results of this series. So I'm going to talk to you guys about the pitching matchup, but I don't really want to hear what you think yet about who wins each game. We'll get into that a little bit later. So for Friday, we've got Logan Webb on the mound for the Giants and Corbin Burns, as I mentioned, for the Brewers. Now, Corbin Burns, since the All-Star, or excuse me, in his last five games, he's the Brewers are 4-1 and one that he started, and they give him 6.6 runs per game in support when he's on the mound. So he's been obviously dominant all season, and I think his, uh, you know, he's starting to get the run support that he was hoping for all year, and obviously his, his wins have ticked up because of that. Now on the other side of things, you might be thinking that this is a lopsided pitching matchup, but the Giants are 11-3 in Logan Webb starts this year. And that includes eight straight W's for the Giants. So don't write them off just yet. I think this will be a good matchup on Friday. Uh, you boys have any comments on the Friday matchup before I move on to Saturday? No, keep growling. 
All right, so for Saturday, we've got uh, Anthony DiSclefani for the Giants, who's had a good season himself, versus Brandon Woodruff, who we all know is filthy. Uh, and the Giants are 3-2 and two in the last five games DiSclefani started. Meanwhile, the Brewers, quite the opposite of Burns, actually. They're 1-4 in the last five games Woodruff has started, giving him only 2.4 runs per game in support of those games. So kind of a flip-flop of Burns. Um, I think he was getting a lot more run support at the beginning of the year, and both of them have really pitched similarly dominant all year, I would say. But their results have been much different of late uh, as they've kind of switched roles where Burns is getting a lot of run support for whatever reason and Woodruff is not. So we'll see if that continues heading into this weekend. But, um, you know, interesting. I, I was kind of shocked myself to see the Brewers are only one and four in the last five games Woodruff has started because he, in my mind, is kind of a guy that gives them a chance to win every game. And that's kind of their formula this year to win games. So interesting for sure. But uh, heading into Sunday, we've got kind of a weird matchup, I would say. We've got Johnny Cueto, who has shown that he can perform at a level that he used to be able to perform this year, but also has shown that the age and the cracks in his armor uh, are definitely on display as he gets older and has had some terrible outings, I would say. And on the other side for the Brewers, we've got Brett Anderson, who has not, he's not really a big name, I would say, but is much better than expected. I think even on the Brewers staff and, and in their organization, he's performed uh, much better than the expectation was heading into the season for them. So uh, the Giants are 1-4 in the last five games Cueto started. And in the last, excuse me, uh, for Brett Anderson, his starts, he out of his 16 starts, 10 of them have gone under the total. So it's four over, 10 under, and two push. Uh, so interesting there. I mean, you would think that with the Brett Anderson starting, maybe people are overbetting the over. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, maybe both of them get hit around a little bit. Maybe it's uh, you know a tight ball game and both of these pitchers get to the other uh, team uh, late in the series. So kind of interesting matchups, I would say. I'm curious to see what your guys' thoughts are, but we'll get to that in a second when we get to stop the streak. For now, we're going to move into heart of the lineup. John, I want to start with you. Who's your uh, heart of the lineup this weekend for this series? So I'm going to go with a name that is relatively new to the Brewers. And no, it's not Eduardo Escobar, who they picked up right at the trade deadline, but a trade that they made earlier in the year. And that is Willie Adamas, who has really been a spark plug for this Brewers lineup. And even more so when you're talking about since the All-Star break. And we've talked about all year about how the Brewers need offense. They, they don't have enough offense. The pitching is great, but there's not enough offense. Well, lately, Willie Adamas has been the offense. Since the All-Star break, he's hitting 308 with a 992 OPS. He has five home runs, 13 RBIs, and is really being the anchor for this Brewers lineup that hasn't gotten the season they expected out of Christian Yelich, hasn't really been an offensive force at all this year, but Willie Adamas is picking it up. I expect him to pick it up again this this weekend. And what is even more interesting is that even though he's a right-handed batter, he hits righties much better than lefties. On the season, I believe he is hitting 280 against righties, whereas he is hitting 210 versus lefties. So the fact that he is facing a, a bunch of righties this 
uh, weekend. No reason to be concerned, and it is, in fact, a reason to be more excited for Willie Adamas. He's my heart of the lineup. Uh, that's a great pick, John. I, I really like uh, Willie Adamas. Oh, and by the way, weekend. for the predictions, because I, I know this is this is what we want to do with this heart of the lineup. Three extra base hits for the weekend for Willie Adamas. Three extra base hits. All right. I like it. I think on my end, yeah, I like to take this hard lineup opportunity to make some bold calls just to, uh, I guess, more fun calls just to have some fun watching these games over the weekend. Uh, for me, I think they could be classified as cop-out answers, but I'm going to go with Christian Yelich plus Chris Bryant adding up to three home runs over the three games this series. Uh, Christian Yelich has been on the COVID IL, so he hasn't played for a week. So I'm anticipating him to come back for this Friday. So he'll be fresh off the injury reserve and out of bed. And he might not be playing well, particularly since he hasn't been hitting well before he got COVID. Uh, so it's not particularly reassuring uh, on that front. Yeah, you're not selling me on but this one. I think... <laughs> but I think it's more of a gut feel that he'll come back. I, I don't have the stats that, that John does. But this is more of a heart of the lineup pick for me. Uh, I think he'll hit particularly well um, against the Giants. I, and um, I think adding with Chris Bryant, who got a home run this past weekend in his first series with the Giants, um, I think they'll per- hit particularly well this, this series. I see what you did there. I like that, Eric. Um, okay, so I, I do I do like John's Willie Adamas pick. Eric, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about that. I I think Chris Bryant might have a decent series. Christian Yelich, I'm not really that confident in, but hey, you know you're Eric the Prophet for a reason. I'll I'll, I'll put my faith in your in your pick, and uh, I'm gonna go with a different guy, and I'm gonna go with Brandon Crawford. This is a guy I I don't particularly like, but you know he's having a decent season and he's actually kind of retooled his swing a little bit, and that's really helped him out against right-handed pitching. And as we mentioned, uh, you know the Brewers are gonna have. They're two big righties on the mound on Saturday and Friday with uh, Burns and Woodruff. So uh, given that Brandon Crawford is hitting 308 against righties this year with uh, 13 home runs and 42 RBIs, uh, you know, I like his chances to get into deeper counts against these tough righties. And I think that's where they're vulnerable the most because uh, you know, if, if they're ahead in the count, they can kind of have their way with whoever they want. But I think Brandon Crawford's got a good shot to get deeper into the count with them, really push them, and uh, maybe get a pitch that isn't exactly where they wanted to throw it. And for my prediction, I'm actually going to say that Brandon Crawford takes at least one of Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff deep on either Friday or Saturday. Uh, so... That'll do it for Heart of the Lineup. Uh, Hopefully our predictions come to fruition, but I'm certainly intrigued uh, to see how these guys do and how this series plays out, and we'll carry this uh, prediction vibe into our Stop the Streak of the Week to stop us or to uh, bring us to a close here. Um, So as I mentioned, both of these teams are very successful against right-handed pitchers, uh, and they've both got kind of their own streaks coming into this series. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it a lot so far. The Giants are obviously facing uh, Woodruff and Burns, and they've been pretty dominant, you know, toward the top of the Cy Young conversation all year. Uh, For the Stop the Streak this week, we're going to say, will the Brewers 
win this series at home, or will the Giants stop the streak and take the away series from Milwaukee? So, John, I'll start with you. Do you think the Giants win this series and stop the streak, or do you have the Brewers coming out on top? So, when we had the Brewers in the series of the weekend last time, I backed up my proclamation of the White Sox being the best team in baseball and was wrong. Brewers took two out of three games from the White Sox. I'm not going to bet against the Brewers this time. I will back them to repeat that feat. Uh, And so, I guess not stop the streak, but continue it uh, and take two out of three games from the Giants this this, uh, weekend in Milwaukee. Okay, interesting. We've got one continue the streak. Eric, what do you got? Yeah, I think like John, we both agreed that the White Sox would win last week's series against the Brewers. And uh, like John said, the Brewers came out. And I I actually predicted that the White Sox would sweep the Brewers, so I clearly disrespected the Brewers on this front. Uh, So I think looking at these matchups this week, I will, going in order, I think the... Giants will win their first game with Logan Webb. I was actually looking at um, a couple of his starts over uh, the past couple of games, and he has been pulled early a few times, but he hasn't given up more than two runs in his past nine starts. So I think it's pretty impressive on that front. So I think the, the Giants win the first game. I think for Saturday's game, uh, I think like you said, like you referenced, uh, Brandon, that the Brewers haven't given Woodruff that much run support. But I think on that front, I, I think Woodruff will pitch well against the Giants. So I think the Brewers come out with the Saturday game. And finally, I think I think from a gut feel, I think Cueto actually comes out with the, with the Giants win um, on Sunday uh, with Chris Bryant coming back to haunt the NL Central Brewers. So I actually think the Giants will stop the streak and beat the Giants this weekend, or beat the Brewers this weekend. Okay, you've got them taking two of three with losing this Saturday game is what I heard. Okay, so we've got one stop the streak and one continuing the streak. I will be the tiebreaker this week, I suppose, and I'm going to side with Eric on this one. I have the Giants winning this series. I also have them taking two out of three, but a little differently. Uh, I've got them winning both Friday and Saturday, which seems kind of odd with Burns and Woodruff going those two games for the Brewers. But I think Logan Webb, you know, does the job on Friday. I think, as mentioned, the Giants can kind of be pesky with Corbin Burns, and he's a guy that's a little liable to get up in the pitch count with as many strikeouts. And, uh, you know, he likes to go after. He doesn't necessarily pitch to as much contact as some of the other guys like Woodruff does. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I think the Giants take that Friday game, uh, get to the Brewers bullpen, which has been hurting lately uh, with all the people they had. I think Josh Hader's still on the COVID list and probably will be this weekend. So that's a, you know obviously a big name that they're going to be missing. Um, and then for Saturday, I just think Anthony DiSclafani outpitches Brendan Woodruff flat out. I mean, he's had a good season. I think the Brewers offense is lackluster still, even after their moves. I mean, Edward Escobar uh, – you know, he's a big name. I like that he's a good hitter, and he's definitely filling a hole for them in Milwaukee, but I, I don't think it's enough still, and I think that's going to show over the weekend, and that's kind of the theme of this. I think these are two big hitting teams. Uh, or Excuse me. I think these are two division leaders. One is a big hitting team, and one is a big pitching team, and 
The Giants, I think, are going to outslug the Brewers despite seeing the top two of their rotation. And then on Sunday, I've got the Brewers actually taking the win against Johnny Cueto because I just flat out think Brad Anderson is better than Johnny Cueto and will outpitch him in that game. I, I think that's probably the lone game in the series I see the Brewers putting up over five runs. And for that reason, I have them taking the Sunday game. Uh, but the Giants still taking two out of three and stopping the streak. And I think that'll do it for me. I'll kick it over to John to close us out here. Yeah, and so thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to listen to this episode. We were so excited to have everyone back together. We were so excited to talk baseball. And uh, keep your eyes on the horizon, too. There are some, uh, in the pretty near future, some nice changes to line them up that we're going to see as uh, football season creeps around the corner in addition to continuing to talk about baseball into the playoffs. So, as always, I have been John. Thank you, Brendan. Thanks, everybody. Once again, good to be back. Looking forward to doing this more often with you boys. And thank you, Eric. Yeah, thanks for listening. We really appreciate the support, and feel free to reach out to us if you guys have any comments about anything we've talked about. Absolutely. And so... Like Eric said, reach out, social media, at Pod, Twitter, Instagram. Still trying to get those more active as uh, the Rollins family tends to be our social media managers. Oh, and threw so us under the bus. Continue. Wow, okay. Hey, <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm, I'm happy with the, with all the good, work that all you guys good, have done. All good, all <laughs> uh, I just am excited to see more of it. And so. Yeah, we're looking forward to yeah. uh, adding some more stuff for sure. So uh, check us out on there. Uh, you know, be sure to give us a follow on wherever you guys listen to this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or any other place that you get your podcast. Drop us a review if you are feeling so inclined. And until the next episode, we'll see you later.